Okay, Passion Nation, welcome to episode six of Feeding Your Passion, the podcast for the entrepreneur and the food connoisseur. I'm your host, Eric Martin. I'm excited to be here today with the incredible Sean Walshiff. Uh, Sean, before I give you a full and proper introduction, say what's up to Passion Nation. What is going on, Passion Nation? I am very excited to be on the show today. Anybody that listens to podcasts has a thirst for knowledge, a thirst to be better. I'm a huge, avid listener of podcasts and honored to be on the show today. So I'm excited to share some uh, some of our experience, strengths, and some of our failures too, in hopes that it, uh, that it helps you on your journey. Fantastic. Sounds great. So everybody's in for a treat today, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Uh, Sean Walshiff, founder of Cali Barbecue Media, digital, ho- digital hospitality podcast. He's a restaurateur, new dad, and sports entertainment fanatic. As owners, operators of Cali Barbecue in San Diego, Sean Walshiff and his wife, Rosita, uh, have evolved over the dozen-year run of their restaurant to swiftly shift with the times while always staying true to the community. They opened Cali Barbecue in 2008 at the height of the economic recession with the goal of making a family-friendly sports entertainment destination. They've created a unique place where you can go and have Sunday brunch, watch NFL Sunday ticket, bring your wife, your kids, or your grandparents. After 12 years of business, and even after COVID-19, the mission remains the same for Cali Barbecue, to help the community they've long called home. And even more growth is on the horizon as Cali Barbecue plans to expand outside their first location in Spring Valley. Giving back to their community is a huge part of their mission of Cali Barbecue, donating time, money, and equipment to youth sports programs and young athletes in need Cali Barbecue is a family fun sports bar built off barbecue and community. So uh, with that awesome introduction, let's jump in. And um, when you look at your uh, restaurant, what do you want our front of the house VIPs to know? Is there, there, this is a virtual dining experience with the owner. What do you want our front of the VIPs to know about your restaurant and the unique experience that they may not know. So the problem with craft barbecue is that it takes time and it takes expertise. And that's something that Gene Goykache, our pit master, really instilled in us from the beginning. And what we wanted to do is figure out a way to make barbecue more accessible. How can we make great barbecue more accessible, not just to our own community, but also to the greater San Diego community? Um, the fact that a restaurant in San Diego is cooking craft barbecue is laughable. If you talk to any of the barbecue meccas of the United States, that being Kansas City, Texas, Memphis, um, the Carolinas, you, you name it. If, if somebody told you that San Diego was trying to make a name for themselves in barbecue, um, you'd get laughed at. In fact, we did get laughed at. Uh, but nonetheless, we continued our low and slow journey towards building a sustainable business um, in a part of San Diego that was very difficult. Uh, if somebody came into the restaurant, our number one thing that we would recommend would be our tailgater. Uh, what we noticed around the country was that if you went to a great barbecue spot, typically if you wanted a combo meal or if you wanted to try you know, the best offerings that they had, they would have 
three out of five of those best offerings instead of giving you the ultimate platter. So we created the tailgater, which is all of our slow smoke meats. It's our ribs. It's our brisket. It's our pulled pork. It's our tri-tip. It's our chicken. It's our rib tips. It's all of our sides, our mac and cheese, potato salad, wedding beans, and um, coleslaw. And then we also serve uh, jalapeno cheddar cornbread. So one of the things we wanted to do is create a family style meal that made barbecue accessible. It made it easy to make a decision, made it easy for our servers to sell, and it made our guests ultimately very happy, happy and they wanted to create a memorable moment so that they not only told their friends in person, but they also told people online. Fantastic. And I know tailgating and sports entertainment is a huge business. I mean, uh, everybody needs to step away from work, slow down, relax, spend time with family. And uh, you guys are doing a tremendous job facilitating that. So, um, so in your restaurant from the beginning of the meal to the end of the meal, whether it be an appetizer, entree or dessert, what's the most popular chef recommended item on your menu? So tell us about that uh, offering. Yeah, so it would definitely be the tailgater, um, you know, what I, what I did mention. And then the, the most important thing is always making sure that people get our peach cobbler dessert. Um, our peach cobbler dessert is so good that we don't offer any other desserts. Um, it's something that's unique to our restaurant. Obviously, there's cobblers all over, but the one that we serve is something that even when we do off-site events, um, instead of bringing barbecue, we bring cobbler. Um, we do that because when we first started doing off-site events, tastings, um, we'd go to local radio stations to promote our business. Um, we would bring cobbler as well as other barbecue, and they always asked for more cobbler. One time we didn't bring a cobbler and we said, we'll never make that mistake again. And it's proven to be successful every time we offer cobbler. Um, it seems to be a winning formula. In fact, if you go to our mobile first website, calibbq.media, just signing up for our email, you get a peach cobbler. Unfortunately, that's in person. So if you're not in San Diego, we're, we're still figuring out ways how to digitally deliver that. But once we do, um, you guys will be the first to know. Fantastic. That, that, uh, that sounds like your peach cobbler should inspire everybody to come visit. Uh, <laughs> if you're San in San Diego, Diego you, if you're in San Diego, out. you get a free peach cobbler on the house. That's for sure. If you listen to this podcast. Fantastic. That sounds great. So, um, yeah, having that, that, uh, signature item like that. So, uh, it sounds like the tailgater is definitely a key item on the menu and it has many components. Are there any other must try uh, items on your menu when we come visit you at your restaurant? Uh, to be frankly honest, it would, it would be our cocktails. Um, you know, we've created a craft cocktail program. Eric Olofsson, my general manager, um, he's been with us since 2008. I hired him as a bar manager originally, and now he's our general manager and a business partner of mine. Um, he's created Mai Tai recipes, um, margarita recipes, and we serve them in fish bowls. And now since the coronavirus has hit, uh, the alcoholic beverage control has allowed us to serve these cocktails to go as long as they're in a sealed container. Um, so we do have those sealed to go and people have been enjoying them along with the tailgater. Uh, you know, with the coronavirus, we've really parred down our menu down to what we do best. Um, I would say we've removed 90 to 95 percent of our menu and we're focused on the things that have kept us in business, which is barbecue. So 
pretty much what we offer in the tailgater is what we offer on our whole menu. We have a couple other offerings, um, but we're trying to streamline the process as much as possible um, so that we can build a sustainable business into the future. That sounds great. I think that's great for the <clears throat> customer and, and something that other restaurant owners can learn from as well is uh, keeping it simple and, and uh, makes it a lot easier in the back of the house as well. Um, yeah, we've uh, we've improved our food cost by six percentage points just by reducing and streamlining our menu. So um, if there are business owners or potential business owners that are listening to it, we would highly suggest going the, the route of simplicity over 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 complication. Right. So that's a great piece of advice. No doubt about it. So uh, share with us one of your key front of the house strategies, core values or behaviors geared toward maximizing each guest's experience. Our philosophy is to make memorable moments. So it's, we empower our staff and our team. We hire for staff that have hospitality in their blood. Um, it's something that if it's in their DNA, you know, it's not about the experience, um, their resume of where they've worked and, what oppressive accomplishments they've had. It's, it's how do they treat people? Uh, you know, it's no longer about customer service. We think customer service is bullshit. Uh, customer service is essentially treating another human like another human. Um, that's not a very high standard. And if that's the standard for retail, if that's the standard for restaurants, then we don't want to be a part of it. Um, the most successful restaurateurs, the most successful brands, the people that we love, the people that we're compelled to tell our friends about those businesses, they make you feel like family. Um, they make you so excited that you bought their product or you bought their service that you want to write a review. You're, you're compelled to go and talk about them. So that's really our philosophy and how we hire and um, really what we've tried to um, teach our staff every single day um, in person as well as online. Fantastic. And I think that's a different differentiating strategy for your customers that are going to come in and, and enjoy an experience at Cali barbecue, a memorable experience. Uh, and, and I think that's also good advice for any other restaurant owner to apply to their business. I mean, people are out working hard, taking care of their family, uh, building their careers. And when they come in to have a meal, when they have a memorable experience, then it's going to bring them back. So uh, that is great. So Passion Nation, that is going to wrap up our front of the house virtual dining experience. And we're going to next move into the back of the house segment. We're going to dive in deeper, take a look into the kitchen, take a look in uh, to some additional detailed knowledge that uh, we can extract from Sean while he is with us. So uh, let's dive into the first back of the house question. Uh, Sean, what is one thing that you feel like you've done really well in the development of your restaurant? I would say the blending of our online philosophy and our offline philosophy, um, which we call digital hospitality. I mean, we opened our business in 2008 in a part of San Diego that every real estate expert would tell you location, location, location. Um, they definitely advised us not this location um, anywhere but here was pretty much what I was told. Um, and I had some people that were successful um, in multiple different fields that severely advised against doing what we did. Also, at the time that we did it, we was the advent of really the smartphone. I mean, the iPhone, the first iPhone came out in 2007. 
Um, the only reason I know that date, which is June 29th, uh, 2007, was my son was born June 29th, 2017. And when I was in the hospital um, with my wife and my son was born, you know, whenever I got a free second for downtime, I was looking at, you know, significant things that had happened in history. Um, and I couldn't believe that the iPhone had come out, you know, in 2007, a year before we had opened the restaurant, because it seems just a natural part of who we are and what we do, not just as humans personally, but also in business. And um, the more that I started thinking about how the smartphone has really changed the way that we approach not just who we are as a restaurant, um, but who we are as a family, who we are as into the community. It's been based on all these apps. Um, you know, Facebook has become popular. Instagram became popular. Twitter became popular. Yelp became popular. Understanding that your website needed to be mobile first and it needed to be optimized and you need to take photos that were actual photos of pictures of things that were in your restaurant, somebody that the guests could order and they could actually expect to receive, not some fake stock photo. Um, all of these things we've learned over 12 years and, uh, you know, we, we don't consider ourselves experts by any means in digital marketing or digital media, but what we do consider ourselves expert is, is the blending of the two. Um, we've had to use the internet to our advantage to drive customers into our restaurant so that we could pay payroll. Um, there was times when we were struggling. We had 18 employees when we started. Uh, we first year of sales, we probably did 300,000 in sales and we built uh, to a business that at our peak, we had 64 employees and we were doing 3.3 million in sales. Uh, for a single unit restaurant in San Diego, um, that's pretty good. And that's fantastic. In order to do that, it wouldn't have happened had we not cared about the internet as much as we cared about the customer when they walked in the door. Uh, what, what I really tell people about our digital hospitality theory and what we talk about on the podcast every week is when you walk into a restaurant, um, actually, when you're in the restaurant business there, if you go to a restaurant depot or if you go online, there's a sign that you can buy. And it's a freestanding sign about eight and a half by 11. And it says, please seat yourself. Um, on the other side, you can flip it around. and says, please wait to be seated. Uh, you, do you know why they, they have that sign? Do you know why they sell that sign? Why is that? They sell that sign to reduce payroll. There's a yeah. reason why that sign is there. That sign is there to reduce payroll during non-peak business hours. So typically in a full service restaurant, you're going to have a host that's going to greet the guest. And if there's create a wait list, make them feel welcome, answer the phone during peak times. But what restaurants do is they have to figure out, well, how do we make a more profitable business model? We're going to make a more profitable business model by managing labor, by closing sections, by removing hostess. Oh, we have a manager on duty during once lunch rush is over before dinner rush between 2 and 5 p.m., the floor manager can be up at the front and answer the phone. Well, what Eric and myself, Eric, my general manager and I, what we decided early on was we were going to invest in hospitality. We were going to make sure that we always had a host at the front of the restaurant, no matter what. So if the restaurant was open, we we're going to have a host. Their job was going to be up at the front of the restaurant, welcome somebody that came in, give them an idea of where they can sit, where they can get seated, um, answer the telephone, thank them when they leave. If they had a stroller, it, where they could take their stroller, if they needed a high chair, we would always have somebody there willing to help to make that memorable moment. And that proved to be one of the best investments we made. And by doing that, we really started to create memorable moments. We started to create five-star Yelp reviews. We started to get a name for ourselves, not just for our barbecue, but also for how we made people feel. Um, we took that philosophy and we used it the same way online. 
So if somebody is on Facebook and they send us a comment, it's the same as if they walked into our restaurant. We want to respond to them and let them know, yes, we are open. Yes, these are our updated business hours. Yes, if you want catering, here's a direct link to the catering landing page. We want to create create a relationship with that digital guest the same way we do in the restaurant. And I think that's one of the things that's really put us in a position where during the coronavirus, we've really reevaluated the full service business model. And we said, you know, we know that there's a better way because we've been doing it a different way. So how can we adapt? How can we change? How can we do something that's safe while we're in essential service, while we're doing third party delivery, while we're doing mobile first pickup, curbside pickup? What can we do also digitally that will help us not just improve our current business location, but also um, build a sustainable business in the future? And this digital hospitality thesis, this embracing how do we get more barbecue to more people um, digitally, not just at our one location, has really opened up the opportunities for uh, you know, an aggressive business plan where we plan to open five to 10 locations in the next uh, two years. That is significant. You covered uh, many amazing good points, but being advised not to take that location, uh, you made the decision you were going to take that location and you were going to make that decision right by by diving into social media, utilizing the smartphone. And it is amazing uh, how quick that technology has grown and expanded and the impact that it's had on your business. And I think you're right. You've done things, you were doing things prior to COVID that was kind of making your business pandemic proof. And I think every restaurateur, every manager, every food service professional out there can learn uh, from the things that you just said. That is one to rewind and listen to again, because you made uh, so many good points about how to pandemic proof your restaurant. Yeah. you know, I, I, I truly have such a passion for the industry and the what what we've been learning over the last 12 years has helped us create relationships with our primary food suppliers, people like U.S. Foods, uh, people like Moseri Produce. These are all people that we do business with and they are true partners. And when I go and I speak to them or I go to a food show, you know, we've seen the evolution of those businesses as well as they've grown, as they've gotten bigger. And what the consistent underlying theme of all these businesses is either the business, the industry is going to adopt the technology and change, or it's not. The places that haven't, the places like Blockbuster and Toys R Us and all these businesses that have gone bankrupt, have refused to acknowledge that the smartphone and the internet are vital, crucial keys to not only sustaining business, but building business into the future. Um, you know, just seeing from the evolution of ordering food from U.S. foods when originally we had our kitchen manager go and count every single item in the restaurant on a clipboard and write it down with a pencil and then call our rep. And then our rep would sit down with his laptop that only he could use that had to input the words that were coming out of my kitchen manager's mouth to the point where now we can go through with an iPhone. My kitchen manager can go in, uh, literally input inventory and order directly on the iPhone without having any conversation with a U.S. foods rep. We still have a U.S. foods rep who helps us, but now their time can be spent helping us solve bigger problems. We don't need somebody counting what we've already counted and then inputting it into a system that should be easy enough for anybody to input. Um, that's the change in technology. And that's the things that if no matter what line of work you're in, my 
number one suggestion is to stop ignoring your cell phone. Start understanding that the cell phone, the thing that we look at, the thing that your wife looks at, the thing that your husband looks at, the thing that your kids look at all day long, and we order things from all the time, your business, even if you're in the B2B business, has to be on that cell phone. You have to have a presence. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'm currently 51, so uh, people that are my age, uh, you cannot be afraid to dive in and learn the new technology and learn how to use it to your advantage. And I think we're in an industry, I've been in the food service industry for, for 27 years. I think as an industry, we've been behind from a technology standpoint, but it's rapidly catching up, especially with innovative thought leaders like yourself promoting the importance of it to sustain the industry. And I know something you talk about, Sean, a lot, and I've heard you talk about is that a rising tide raises all ships. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of our founding philosophies. It's, it's access to information. I mean, we live in the information age. My grandfather was born in 1919 on a small village in Bulgaria, and he was destined to be a farmer. But it was because there was a missionary that came to his village and established a school. And in that school, he learned how to read. And he not only learned how to read, but he had this insatiable desire to continue to acquire knowledge where he read every single book in his village. He had to go to a different village to get more books. I was raised by my grandfather. He taught me that endless curiosity, but the advent of the internet, the advent of podcasts, of YouTube, anything that we care about, we can find people that are passionate, just like your podcast, feeding passion. You can find people that care about what you care about or they care about a different subject matter. But if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to listen and then take action, it's one thing to say, nod your head and go, that's a good idea. Yes, I should use my cell phone more. Yes, I should download the Yelp business profile app. Yes, I should download the Google business profile. And I should actively update the information on there because I want people to know that my hours have changed during COVID. It's one thing to shake your head and say, that's a good idea. It's another thing to actually do it and then to follow up. And then after that, the next day, do it and go, well, how can we make a better photo on there or to make sure that the link for the address actually works or it goes to your mobile first website? Like all those things, they all build upon each other, which is why 12 years later, I'm as confident as I am. But, you know, you said something interesting and I hear people say it a lot that the restaurant industry is behind in technology. We're later to adapt. And I used to think the same way until I started podcasting and talking to other people, experts in the media field, in the digital marketing field, um, people in all different types of industries, and realize this cell phone has changed things for everybody. I mean, I talked to PR executives yeah, for the San Diego Chargers, which are now the Los Angeles Chargers. But when, when uh, Scott Yofi, who was on my podcast, was talking to me, I'm asking him about the evolution of digital in the NFL. And the NFL is the powerhouse that we all know the NFL to be. But the NFL has had to slowly add people to the digital side of their business, you know, this multi-billion dollar business. And they're catching up the same way a small business owner like myself has had to add people, add staff to create content, to create audio, to create video, to create graphics, to understand that who we are in person, we need to represent that online as well. So... You know, I guess that's probably why I'm as confident as I am, because I have gone to news stations. I have gone to radio stations. I have talked to people that have written for newspapers, national magazines, and they've told me how these other organizations that are literally in the media content publishing business, 
that don't understand what we've been able to learn as a small business doing the things that we have. This is a this is an open playing field for everybody. So if you're curious, this is the time. If you're listening to this podcast, this is the right things to be doing. But you also have to take action. Absolutely. And and uh, on feeding your passion, we call that going mad. It, it stands M A D. It's an acronym that stands for make a decision because I agree with you. Nothing changes in life until somebody makes a decision or course corrects a decision that's already been made. Yes. So um, that is absolutely true. It's like Silicon and, Valley, and, uh, fail fast and fail faster. Right. Absolutely. So I hope to be a, I hope this podcast to be a forum, especially with you on today and your digital hospitality forecast uh, to, to be a forum and a force that pushes our entire industry at a faster rate into embracing technology. And I do agree with you that it is being implemented at a, at a mind numbing rate right now. And I think, uh, so let's talk about this. You, over the years you had to, there are a lot of details to learn, but it's all learnable. The knowledge is there for those who are willing to learn it. You were curious and you wanted to learn, but you went through the pain to learn it. But how does that change the impact that it's having on your business and your outlook for the future? So, I mean, it's, it always comes down to this question, which is why should, why should I invest in, in digital marketing? Why should I invest in personal branding? Why should I care about the internet? My business has never had to do that. Um, and the argument is always going to be, what's the rate of, you know, what is my return on investment? What's the ROI of me spending time on Twitter every day and creating a profile, an actual professional profile that has my name and my bio, the same way I would put a professional profile on link on LinkedIn, as well as Instagram, as well as Facebook. Why does that matter? Why does sending a tweet matter? Why does following the local media matter? Um, what I would argue is that for us as a single unit restaurant, I've been able to develop relationships with people in local media, in national media, um, people that are influencers, people that are entrepreneurs, people that are other business um, business titans in their own regard, and people that are potential investors, people that are potential vendors. Um, you don't know where those opportunities are until you invest the time. And you know, just a, a quick story of, of how Twitter's changed my perception of why tweeting is important is, you know, I, I'm a huge sports fanatic fan. Um, I listen to s local San Diego sports radio. Um, Dave Palais and Jeff Dotset, they were on local radio here in San Diego, you know, probably, I don't know, four or five years ago. And they had a writer, uh, NFL writer, by the name of Jim Trotter on to talk about his book about Junior Seau. Junior Seau was a famous linebacker for the San Diego Chargers that committed suicide. Right. Hall of Fame linebacker. Um, incredible book. Um, but he was on that radio show promoting his book. And they were talking about fight night um, and how they used to go to Junior Seau's restaurant, all three of them, plus Junior, and they would enjoy fight night, um, boxing and UFC. Those are things that are integral to what we do at Cali Barbecue. Um, they're part of the reason why we built the restaurant the way that we did. But I'm listening to this conversation and they're talking about, you know, the book that's coming out. And, um, you know, I have ultimate respect for Jim Trotter, who has worked as the beat writer for the San Diego um, Union Tribune, which is our local newspaper. He worked for Sports Illustrated. He's a Hall of Fame voter for the NFL Hall of Fame. 
He worked at ESPN. Now he works in NFL Network. Just an incredible body of work. Very educated, incredible man. And they're talking about fight night. That that weekend, we were hosting a Mayweather um, fight at our restaurant. They're having a conversation. After they're done with the conversation, I get to the office and I send out a tweet both to Jeff Dotseth, Jim Trotter, and Dave Palais saying, really enjoyed the conversation. Um, you guys reminiscing about 